0: The reading today is from Isaiah. There will be no gloom for those who are in anguish. In former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness On them, light has shined. You have multiplied the nations. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. The word of the Lord. A reading from Corinthians now I appeal to you brothers and sisters by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose for it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you my brothers and sisters what I mean is that each of you says I belong to Paul or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize but to proclaim the gospel and not with eloquent wisdom so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power for the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of God the word of the Lord be to God.
1: The holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken to the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. And that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. The Gospel of the Lord.
2: be seated. Before we begin, I'd like to say thank you to all of you for your support over the last year as Natalie and myself moved through the discernment process to my becoming a postulant for Holy Orders and a student in the Iona School for Ministry. For me, this has been an almost 30-year process to get to this point, and we're forever grateful and thankful to each of you for your kindness, for your love, and your support as we continue this path towards my eventual ordination in this diocese. We've made good progress during Epiphany. We started with the circumcision and naming of Jesus, progressed to the baptism of Jesus, and today we find Jesus beginning his ministry in Galilee. Jesus has learned that John the Baptist has been in prison, so he boogies from his home in Nazareth and heads to Galilee to begin his ministry, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is not the first time that folks had heard this message. John the Baptist, too, had called for people to repent, to change their direction, and to change their life. In my work world of human resources, recruiting has become quite an arduous task. Resumes, interview after interview after interview through different levels of management, background checks, reference checks, drug screens, salary negotiations, and the list goes on. For us, it can take anywhere from three days to two weeks just to get somebody started and through the process out to the field. Lots of I's to dot, lots of T's to cross in order to get it right. It's a team of over a dozen folks working on this process for us. It can get frustrating when projects are nearing start dates and I don't have enough folks' processed to start. It makes my brain hurt and people wonder why sometimes I need a beer after work. The bottom line is there are rules and regulations that require this process and each candidate's got to be properly vetted and deemed competent for the tasks that are at hand. We see Jesus today beginning his recruiting process, his selection for his closest followers, his disciples. Jesus is not faced with any of the rules or obligations that we have. Let's take a look at this from a 2017 point of view if you will. Jesus is in the process of setting up his business on earth, the beginning of the kingdom of heaven. He knew his time was limited and he'd need people to run this business to spread the good news of the gospel after he was gone. This would be a time of gathering people, training them, and releasing them on the world to witness to God's love. What Jesus did not do, as we would do, is go to the business district of the day and hunt down the brightest and best business owners, shop owners, and people of the time to bring into his business. No, he went to the beach. He went to the seashore where he employed the most simple yet most effective recruiting campaign in all of human history. Follow me and I'll make you fish for people. All of Galilee is centered around the Sea of Galilee, an area of quite warm climate, quite fertile ground, and excellent fishing. In those days, the sea was jam-packed with fishing boats. You could literally walk along boat to boat to boat down the shore and never have to step on land to get down to the coast of the sea. Lots of activity, lots of things happening. Folks were busy tending their boats and their nets. Peter and Andrew happened to be there working on their nets when Jesus came up to them. Jesus had to be one of the most attracting personalities ever just to walk up to somebody and say, follow me. And these two guys dropped their nets and got up and followed him. This was their livelihood. This is what they did for a living. This is how they ate and they got up and left. As did James and John, son of Zebedee. Those guys didn't just leave their job, they left their dad to immediately follow Jesus. Quite uncommon in those days, leaving familial roots for any reason, let alone to follow a prophet. But we see here just how important the call of Jesus is, even over family and commitments. Now it's quite possible that this may not have been the first time that Jesus and these guys have all met. A lot of these guys were disciples of John the Baptist. So they may have crossed paths, maybe had a little chat now and again, but now it was go time. They made the decision to accept the challenge and throw their whole lot in to follow Jesus. It is interesting to note that these were actual fishermen. They fished for a living. In their society, they were not considered overly educated, Men of great wealth or influence, neither of they of great war- wealth or important social background. They were simple, working men, not poor, not rich, but they were basically at the high point of their life. Jesus knew then that even though they were fishermen, they had the exact qualities that he needed for them to do this job. They had to have patience. Good fishermen, those good fishermen in the room know this, Wait for the fish to take the bait. We rarely see immediate results when we talk to folks about Jesus, when we try to share Jesus with other people. We have to be patient and learn how to wait. They had to have perseverance. Good fishermen had to be ready to try, try, try again. You don't always catch a fish every time you cast the bait into the water. We must learn to not be discouraged. We are taught that we must just sow the seed and that we must persevere in our seed sowing. They had to have courage. Good fishermen had to be ready to risk the dangers of the sea. We see more about this in Matthew 14. It's coming. We have to have courage to face the world and the challenges of sharing Jesus in this population. Not everyone's going to be open to that message. And we're going to face some ridicule and some challenges along the way. They had to have an eye for movement. Good fishermen know when to fish and when not to fish. They know the weather. They know the water conditions, they know when to cast their nets, when not to cast their nets, and we too must know when to fish and when to be silent. When the spirit's movement on our life generates opportunity to speak to others, we take advantage of it. If that spirit doesn't move, we don't. (coughs) They had to fish, fit the bait to the fish. Good fishermen know that if you're fishing for one type of fish, but using bait for another that doesn't attract the fish, you ain't going to catch nothing. That's the way it works. We must know that same role and same routines that we go through will not attract everyone. We must fit our message to our audience, not our audience to our message. They finally had to be obscure. Good fisherman knows that their presence, even their shadow, if it's noticed by the fish, they're not going to bite. We must present Christ to others, not present ourselves to others. It's the ourself part that maybe can start the conversation but we must recognize it is with Jesus that we finish. It's not about us. It's about those in life struggling literally between right and wrong, life and death, heaven and hell. As the old hymn shares, we must turn our eyes upon Jesus and look full into his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Now, I know we're Episcopalians and by the views of society and quite possibly our own views, we're not considered grand evangelists. Actually, we're referred to as God's frozen chosen, if you will. (laughs) Evangelists in today's meaning carry quite a negative connotation. Now it's time for a little bit of honesty, a little bit of my past. Got to admit that when growing up, there was that small period in time that I secretly wanted to be that TV evangelist. Crazy hair, fancy expensive suits, lights, cameras, backup singers, got that over here. Multitudes of followers and that great big giant big floppy Bible. I needed that. What a spectacle. Kind of like Brother Love's Traveling Salvation Show, if you will. I see folks smiling, you know what I'm talking about. You've seen them. Gratefully, as I got older and matured, I figured out I wasn't cut from that bolt of cloth, and I'm pretty happy I was called to a different path. Besides, I don't think I got the hair to qualify. <laughs> we have to shatter this image and become a different type of evangelist. We need to better understand that this message from Matthew's Gospel reminds us that Jesus' is life-giving words and deeds, and that we all meet the criteria in this job description to share the good news of Jesus with others in one way or another. Jesus knows it's what is on the outside that does not matter, but what's on the inside that matters. He chose those that were simple, ordinary, and hardworking, and those that were present in the moment. That's what he's after. Jesus is calling each of us to his ministry right here, right now. You're all hired. We're all fishers of people. We're called to spread the love of God's kingdom on earth to all people in all walks of life, and it's our bounden duty to see people for their soul and not their lifestyle. In Bishop Doyle's books, Church and Generous Communities, he has laid out a vision for our diocese for missional communities to put more simply meeting people where they are and bringing the gospel to them rather than waiting for them to come to us. As I look back on the last year here at the many outlets of ministry St. Thomas participated in, the blessings in a bag, carloads of food for the interfaith caring ministries, school supplies and Thanksgiving meals for McWhorter School, Christmas gifts for Bay Area Turning Point, socks and shoes for the homeless through Mercy Tree on Monday Thursday, the summer mission trip right here in our own backyard, all of the work and support for St. Thomas School, The work of Daughters of the King, the Brotherhood of St. Andrew, ECW, the work of the Flower Guild, the Altar Guild, Vergers, the Limb Teams. And you will all soon see that the installation of the new pipe organ will open many, many more doors for evangelism for St. Thomas. We're doing our part as, as a generous community and we're being game changers in the lives of others. This is evangelism. This is how we become fishers of people. This is how we bring the kingdom of God to others. Jesus is assembling his team, and he continues to set focus for his ministry, teaching in the synagogue, healing the sick and lame, teaching his disciples. These are not just ordinary or mundane tasks, and we'll see more of this as Matthew's gospel continues. These will become the defining points of Jesus' ministry and the establishing of God's kingdom here on earth. Let's so look at it like this. What Jesus had begun to do was pick his fantasy football team. Call it Jesus' dream team, if you will. He made his selections, like many of us do in fantasy football. We either do our research in the off season and we choose what we think to be the best player for the position, or we'd be lazy and we sit back and let the computer pick it for us, just hoping it's got the next person that we need and see what the season holds. Last season, I made the attempt to do all the research, all the homework, spent time researching players, and I ended up with a 4-11 and 11 record. <laughs> had a friend in the league that didn't do any of that, showed up, drank beer, and let the computer pick his players, and he had a 9-6 and 6 season, so obviously I did it wrong. <laughs> Jesus did not employ any of these methods. He didn't sit and scan resumes. He didn't do background checks. He didn't read ESPN the magazine just to make sure he didn't miss out on anybody. And he ended his season 11-1. Not too shabby. That kind of winning season can win almost any league, certainly it won for Jesus, and it continues to win for us today. It's my continued prayer that we not only as a church but as individuals continue to accept this call of Jesus, that we continue to be disciples, and that we continue to strive to be better evangelists by spreading the good news of God's love, God's mercy, God's compassion, and God's acceptance to not only our community, but to our world.